so nice to be with you guys. Um, yeah, they have so many preachers at my church back in Canada that I never get asked to preach. So it was a, it was a very um, special gift to me because it is something that I, I really do enjoy um, sharing what God is speaking to me, little bits, and sharing with you. So I'm I'm grateful to be here today. Um, I am known. My kids always give me a hard time because. Um, Whenever I feel overwhelmed by God's spirit or very touched by God's spirit, it tends to leak out of my eyes. <laughs> so if you notice today God's spirit coming through me in tears, uh, they used, back when we used to meet in Todi Primary Hall, they would keep a box of tissues on the stairs, and my kids would be all like, that's mom's tissues. You know? <laughs> um, I'm sure other people use them too, but hopefully we make it through without too much. Um, but this is emotional for me to be here. Here I'm going to start already, but you know, you guys are very special to us Waldrons. <laughs> so there, there may be a little emotion, but... I, I bring you greetings. Elise and I are the only two here. This trip was um, mainly for my daughter, Elise. Uh, she was uh, one month old when we moved here. So uh, I had a... <laughs> Does anybody remember those Waldrons? <laughs> yeah, so she was, uh, um, she was one month when we moved. I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old when we moved here. Um, and we... We were going to check church churches out, and the first one we checked out was Oasis, formerly a wreck road, formerly known as Oasis, and um, we never left. And uh, you're, this church is very deep in our hearts. Um, we did move here as Garrisay to for my husband to lead Seat of Hope. Um, it was a wonderful 10 years that we had here, but in 2017, six years ago now, um, God uh, organized for us to move back to the country of our, our birth, to Canada. And, uh, but God taught us so many things during our 10 years in South Africa. Um, and this church was a huge part of our lives that we have forever been changed by our time here in South Africa. Forever changed. So um, my family... We'll have a little bit more of a recent family. That was just a um, family photo. That was just taken in June when Nate, uh, we call it grade 12, matric, whatever. In Canada, we have that in June. So he just graduated grade 12, and that was our little family picture there. So I'll just, a few of you know us. Um, lots of you are new faces that I don't know you, um, but lots of you do know us. So I'll give you a quick little update um, Carl continues to work in community development. He works um, with a lot of our indigenous um, people in Canada, and he loves what he does. He also works quite closely with our church there. Um, Marae, my eldest, she's 20. She's studying uni. She's, gonna, she's studying to be a physiotherapist, and she loves it. She's also big into heavy lifting, <laughs> so she likes to lift heavy weights, which... I don't understand, but I try to pretend that I'm excited when she comes and <laughs> tells me that she got a new PB and some sort of, I don't know. Anyway, that's her thing, and she loves it, and so that's great. And then my son, Nate, he just, as I said, graduated. He's going to uni in the fall, so in September for us, he's going to be studying business, and he's going to be playing basketball for our local university, which is lovely. And then my youngest, Elise, she just finished grade 
uh, 10, so she'll be starting uh, grade 11 in September. And uh, yeah, so just a little update on our family. So now let's get to why we're here this morning. I just uh, again want to say thank you to your leadership for asking me to speak. This is something that God has been speaking to me over the last probably six months. And so I'm excited to share with you today. I just would like to start with a quick word of prayer so my knees stop shaking together. <laughs> Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, I ask that you keep my words clear and straight, straight from you, and may we all um, grow and learn to lean into your strength more each day. And may the words that I speak honor you today and touch hearts. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So um, I love the way Jesus teaches because he teaches, he taught through a lot of stories. And I love stories. So you'll get a few stories in my, uh, in my sermon today. To start off with, when I was young, 22 years old, I volunteered to be a student missionary in the country of the Philippines um, for one year. However, I ended up staying three years. And it was that experience, actually, that ultimately led us to coming to South Africa because that's how I met my husband and all that stuff. Too, too long of a story for now, but it was while I was in the Philippines, I worked as a nurse in a remote mountain village. Now, to give you an idea of how remote this village was, allow me to trace my path to the village. So from Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines, you get on a boat. You're on the boat for 24 hours. 24 hours. Well, you could take a plane. It was only one hour by plane, but we were missionaries. We did not have much. So we took the boat that was about an eighth of the cost. So 24-hour boat ride to the island. Now, the Philippines is a country of seven, over 7,000 islands, and we were on one of the most remote farthest islands from the main, uh, the main island. So it was a long boat ride. You took the boat to the island called Palawan, 24 hours. You get off, you get on a jeepney. I don't, do you guys know what jeepneys are? This is a picture of it. Now, that's an experience to get on these jeepneys. So they maybe, I've actually never been on a South African taxi, but I think it may be similar at times. They like to load it to the top. So, um, so I remember one ride getting on, sitting down, and the guy, they have the guy who's filling it up and taking the money and stuff, and he said, oh, you know, like, you've got a big lap, because I'm like feet above everybody else. I was taking up too much room in the jeepney. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, we've got to fill the space, you're too big. So he put a granny on my lap, and then put another, a child on her lap. So we were three high, triple layer. I'm just like, what? And that was for six hours. <laughs> anyway, if we were feeling rich, we would take the bus. And the bus was just, uh, you, got, you paid for a seat. You got a seat to yourself. But it was a six hour. So 24-hour boat ride, six-hour jeepney ride. Uh, you get to the little town that was by our base of the mountains. You get off the taxi. The mountains were so high, not even pack animals could take the 
the trails. It was just these good things that God gave us. And so it was about a three-hour hike into the mountains, and that's where I lived. Yeah. So that's why I say it prepared me for living in South Africa, because I had no water or electricity <laughs> for three years. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but during my very first boat ride there, I received my first ever proposal of marriage. During the three years, I received three more offers of marriage. Now, I would like to think these offers came because of some amazing characteristic trait, either inner or outer beauty that they saw, but I know this was indeed not the case. Only one of the offers came from a boy who even knew me. The other three came from young men that I met on trips back and forth from the island. Um, so the realistic side of me knew why I was receiving these offers. I was an American girl. I held the ticket for these young men to obtain a, 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 a widely held dream for young Filipino men, which is to, to move to America, the land of dreams, the land of prosperity, the land of promise. The marriage proposals were their hope of a better future. I could be their ticket out of their current situation to their dream world. So how many of us have ever looked for a ticket out of a current situation? That if only I could get that job or get into that school or marry that guy or move to that city or that world. Those young Filipino men thought their happiness lay in getting to America with me. <laughs> but in a recent study I read, the US ranked second highest for the rates of depression in the world. So I'm pretty sure the answer to happiness does not lie in that country <laughs> or in any country for that matter, right? So, this is the topic of our conversation this morning, the topic of happiness. Can one find true happiness? Is that what we're meant to be searching for? What does it take for me to be happy? What if your life circumstances never changed? If your financial situation never improved? Your marital status didn't change. Your career didn't advance. Your body didn't feel better. Your relationships, still rocky. Is your happiness dependent on these factors? We're going to spend some time this morning looking deeply at two passages of scripture on this topic. One from Psalms, which I hear you guys have just been reading, that's great and one from Jeremiah. We're gonna start with a passage from the book of Psalms, the first chapter. In fact, the first three verses of Psalms. If you want, you can open your Bible with me. It will be on the, on the screen there too. <clears throat> so Psalm one, verse one to three says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, 
or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The book of Psalms starts with the word blessed, blessed. The entire book, one of the longest books in the Bible, begins with the word blessed. Do you know what the Hebrew word for that, um, for blessed is? It's a word, I'm not sure how you say it, it's called ashray, but it means happy. Other definitions of this word are to be fully satisfied, to be favored by God. Scholars say that since this is what opens the book of Psalms, this word, blessed, opens the book, it introduces one of the most dominant themes of Scripture and the most dominant themes of the Psalms about being blessed, blessed, being happy. There's another place in the Bible that uses the word blessed. I don't know if I'm going to put this down here, maybe. That uses the word blessed frequently in the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5. So most of us are very familiar with the Beatitudes. Um, you know, it's a very common scripture. Um, I won't read all of it, but it's here on the screen. Hopefully you can see it. But it starts out saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He continues with nine instances of God's blessing on people for being peacemakers, persecuted, merciful, for mourning, for being pure. Some of these beatitudes don't make a lot of sense, honestly. Like, blessed are those who mourn. To put it another way, happy are those who mourn. Mm, doesn't quite make sense, right? What is God getting at, at with his idea of happiness? Because we just learned that that word blessed, blessed, means happy. What, God, what are you saying? It, doesn't, it sure, certainly doesn't look like the world's view of happiness, does it? Like, look at those words, meek, hungry, hunger, thirst, merciful, pure, peacemakers, persecuted. Is this what the world's, you know, when you look at your social media, is this what the world's idea of happiness is? It doesn't look like it to me. It's not what's applauded. It's not what people strive after. So, in the world, you are happy when you get to go on fancy vacations, eat nice food, um, wear pretty clothes, have season tickets to your favorite sporting events. But instead, in this passage, Jesus names nine different groups of people normally thought to be unfortunate and all shame, you know, they're persecuted. But Jesus calls them happy, favored, according to so the first thing that we can establish this morning is that according to God's plan, being happy does not depend on circumstances. It does not depend on what the world has labeled as what should make you happy. Happiness depends on something deeper, roots that go deep into something that can endure all seasons of life. 
In a later psalm, David says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine, sorry, abound. <laughs> Just think about that verse. You put more joy in my heart than when their grain and wine. Can you picture people whose grain and wine is abounding? I can picture it. You think, oh, that's if I only could live on that ocean view road or, you know, like if there's something else that I want that could make me happy. But David says, you got to put more joy in my heart. I'll forever remember standing outside my friend Jabu's house, her tiny little house, <laughs> and hers telling me that God has given her more than she could ever ask for. And I just think, whew, what a lesson to learn, you know? What a lesson. Where she found her, her joy was not in her life circumstances. So now that we've established that point, we've established that God's definition of happiness is not like the world's definition. Let's determine who is happy in that first text we were reading, Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. So who is happy? Let's look at it together. The one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way, where am I? Stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So the one who is not walking with the wicked, not listening to their counsel, not hanging out with the sinners. You see that progression. So you're walking, then you're standing. So you're just kind of walking. Oh, you know, we're like, oh, we're pals, bro, you know. Then you're standing with them. Okay, now we're, you know, and then you sit with them. Right? You see the progression. So it gets easier and easier to hang out with the wicked through that progression. In the Jewish culture, where you sat showed where you belonged. So the men with the men, the women with the women, the young with the young, the old with the old, the rich with the rich. So in this text, he's actually talking about your identity, where you sit. Don't sit with the scoffers, with the wicked. He's saying, let your mind your behaviors, your identity be shaped by the word of God. The next part of the verse says, so that's who he's saying is happy, right? Blessed is the one. Happy is the one who does not do these things. But, there's our but. But, the next part of the verse says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. That's who's happy, who delights in the law of the Lord. Most of us don't hear the word law and associate delight. I don't know. It's just not a, you know, you think law, delight. I don't know. However, if you live in a country where the laws are upheld, the country is typically... Con cons considered one of the best countries to live in. Um, 
It's considered a safe, it ranks high on the, the best countries in the world. Also, if you live in a household where the house rules are followed, you know, everybody kind of, you know, makes their bed in the morning, at least. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just giving her a hard time. But if you live in a house where the house rules are, rules are followed and pretty, you know, people come home when they're supposed to, they do the things, there's, there's peace, there's joy, there's happiness in a house like that, right? Laws are, actually do make our lives better. Most laws make our lives better. So to think about the law of the Lord, it's more than just, you know, the Ten Commandments. It's the collection of teachings, the instruction, the direction. It's the word and will of God, the law of the Lord. We delight in it because it's our guiding light. It's our roadmap. Have you ever been on a trip and your map fails you? <laughs> I have. So... This week, because I have a sim from Canada, I had to, there's a, I've been, bar, Nadine's let me borrow her car, so I've been driving places where I'm going, and it's like safety for me, you know? Like, I have to know where I'm going so I can use my maps. So I got a South African sim. But on that maps device, it doesn't always, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't always work. It's not fail-proof. Um, you'll, uh, in 2018, Nadine and Alex came to visit us in Canada. And we, I took them to see our great Canadian Rockies, you know, showing off our mountains and our beauty. And on our drive home, I was following my trusty maps. This is the picture I took, okay? Do you remember this, Nadine? <laughs> Do you remember, Alex? We were following the map, and it took us to this point, right here. <laughs> and we're just like, what? Like, where, where, where are we supposed to go? So anyway, we found our way. But man-made maps are, you know, they're helpful, but they're not, they're not always foolproof. They're not always foolproof. But having a reliable map makes life much easier to navigate. His word directs us. His word is our map. It sustains us. It gives us comfort, hope, protection, wisdom, victory. I mean, the list could go on and on. There is real reason I hold my phone, and I'm sorry, I actually didn't bring my Bible because, you know, there's limits to your weight <laughs> when you pack your luggage. So this is my Bible right now. But there is weight to his word. There is weight. It provides so, so much for us. So this brings us to the last sentence. I told you we're looking deeply at this Psalm 1 to 3, and this last sentence is my personal favorite part of this um, maybe even of the Bible. It's just, it's so meaningful to me. It says, that person, so the person who doesn't walk, doesn't stand or sit with sinners, who's, who delights in the word of God, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Just sit and think about that line for a minute. Planted by the water, yields its fruit, leaf does not wither. There's another text that mirrors this one, very similar, from Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. And it says, blessed, blessed, there's that word again, 
Blessed, blessed, happy is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Oh. Hey? Have you ever been to a game reserve in winter? Anybody? It's brown. Hey? Like, it's brown in winter. Maybe not this winter with that rain we had last week, but anyway, normally, game reserves are very brown in winter. I remember going to a game reserve in winter when we lived here, and I was standing outside of the Bucky, looking over this, kind of up on a hill, looking over this vast expanse, and being amazed because I saw this brown everywhere, and I just saw this green trail. And I pointed it out to Carl. I'm like, what? what? He's like, that's the river. You couldn't see the water. All you could see, he's like, that's the river. You see this green. Everything else was brown and dead. And then it's just like this, this beautiful river. I tried to find that picture because I took a picture. But through the hundreds of thousands of photos, I'm not organized with my photo library. I could not find. So I just grabbed this one off the internet. But it shows you. It shows you where those trees, those trees are alive. They are green. They are next to the source of life. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots out by the stream. Phew, that picture spoke to me that day, and it has been with me ever since. It just comes alive for me when I read this passage because I can see it. I can see it. You don't fear when the heat comes. The leaves are green. It, they continue to be stable, solid, fruit-bearing trees through drought. Why? Why? Because the roots, roots go deep into the, into the water. They get their nutrients. That's what a person who delights in the word of God is like. Their roots are deep. Are you green in drought? Are your roots deep enough that your leaves can stay healthy in drought? Can you bear fruit in drought? It speaks to me. It challenges me. And I hope it challenges you to drive those roots deeper, deeper into the word of God and have such faith and, comp such faith and confidence in him that you can stay green in drought. This is what I pray for each one of us, what I long for each one of us. But there is an alternative. And we're just going to take a few minutes to talk about what the alternative is. Psalm 1, verse 8. I'm going to show that this is not the way of the wicked. I'm going to show you something. <clears throat> so... When I lived in the Philippines, um, I worked with people that lived off of the land. They rarely went to grocery stores. They ate what they could grow. Um, and they grew rice and then lots of other root vegetables. But when they would grow rice, they would harvest it 
and then the ladies would dry it and then pound it. So this is an example of how they would pound the rice to get rid of the, the husks off of the rice. Well, then you've got all this mixture of like rice with husks all mixed in it. You know, how do you get this rice clean? Well, I saw this on Nadine's cupboard, and I'm like, oh, I need that for my sermon. So I had took it all apart. And <laughs> Sorry, Nadine. Um, so they, they used something. Actually, their baskets would look almost exactly like this. Hey, Lisa, I have one at home. And they just this is how they'd weave their baskets. And they'd have them like this. And they'd have their rice that had all the husks and ch they call it um, chaff, right? Like the, extra, the excess stuff mixed in here. And then I, they tried to teach me how to do it, and I could never do it. But the women were so good at it, and I'm going to try not to spill rice. But they would, they had, I won't do that anymore. <laughs> but they had this amazing little way of, like, they would flick. Ah! <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> I know. As you could see, I was terrible at it. They would always stop me doing it because I would waste the good rice. They're like, ah, thank you, Michelle, you know. <laughs> anyway, when they would do it, it was, it was so beautiful to watch. The rice would flick up and come back into the basket, and the chaff would just, just go. Yeah, and they'd get it to completely clean. It would be just rice at the end with no chaff in there, gone. And you could just see, like, the wind just took it. Just like that, up, gone, 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 gone. And you just think, I don't know, it just, it helped me picture this, this text more, like the chaff. Do you want to be like the chaff? Like, whew, so easily, gone, right? Like, the wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. What a contrast to what we just read about those who trust in the Lord. A tree with deep roots. <laughs> the wind can't even knock it over. And this, phew, just gone. Just gone. The, so that was the contrast from our psalm text we were looking at. We were also looking at that Jeremiah text. So Jeremiah also talks about the, the alternative to that tree. The alternative it says this, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart has turned away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. So you've got chaff and you've got a bush in the wastelands. Now, my parents used to live in New Mexico, and they used to see what we call tumbleweeds. Do you guys have anything like this in South Africa? I don't, I looked up, there is an Afrikaans word for it, but I can't say it. Um, anyway, they're just like bushes that, or I don't even know what they are, but they just roll everywhere. We call them tumbleweeds in America. Um, so, the, you know, there's a cultural belief that you are most happy when you have complete freedom in life. Nobody's telling you what to do. I can do my own thing. You're, you don't have to answer to anyone. You are free to make your own rules, define who you are and your own meaning. You have no anchor point outside of yourself. If you're like that, this complete freedom, you're like a tumbleweed. Free to blow where the wind takes you. 
And that is precisely what will happen. Whatever the present direction of wind, i.e. culture, will blow you, that is where you will go. Because you have nothing grounding you. Nothing to keep you solid and secure. So compare this free tumbleweed with your trees by the river. A happy and confident person is one that has roots that deeply anchor them. C.S. Lewis compared this to a fish that he decides wants to be free of the confines of water. So he jumps out of the water onto land. True, he is now free of the confines of the ocean, so he flops around on the land. Is he happy, confident, safe, and secure? No, because the fish was made for water. And just as that is, so you and I are made for God. If our life has no anchor outside of itself, we're like chaff or a tumbleweed. With no real permanence, we're full of sound or movement, or, but we're not signifying anything. We have no depth. We are not anchored into something outside of ourselves, and there will come a point when we're gone, forgotten and blown away. Those who choose to believe in Jesus, seasons of drought, our tough seasons in life, can actually deepen your joy because those seasons are what drive your roots deeper. And I think that's why God says take joy in your troubles because you're going to go deeper into me. You're going to go deeper. David has put before us two ways to live. We've seen those two ways quite clearly this morning. The man who knows God lives with an abundant, never-ceasing source, source of joy and happiness that endures all seasons of life. And when, he, when we die, we're welcomed into eternity. The ungodly live with an increasingly suffocating sense of futility. And they, they have no recourse in their pain or their suffering. There's no deeper meaning. And their end is also eternal. So, Rec Road. The secret to happiness is driving your roots deep. Deep. Deep into God. Deep into the gospel. Deep. So there's two things that we have to be serious about if we want our roots to go deep. The word of God. We have to be serious about it. We have to delight in it. We can start with it being a duty. Sometimes it feels like, oh, I have to get up and read my Bible reading plan so, you know, Gareth won't get mad at me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it can feel like a duty. And we can pray, God, teach me, like, let me delight in this. Teach, teach me how to delight in your word. He will teach you. Dangerous Dave, I could see. You are delighting in the word of God this morning. Like, teach me to delight in your word. I read a quote that says, sometimes, this is from a kind of a famous theologian, Jonathan Edwards, he says, sometimes only mentioning a single word will cause my heart to burn within me. 
Only seeing the name of Christ or some attribute of God will suddenly make my heart burn and God suddenly appears glorious to me. When I enjoy this sweetness, it carries, have you experienced thoughts of my own problems? That's called delighting. Have you experienced this sweetness? I have at times. It's not always as much as I want it to be. Just confess your cold heart to God. <laughs> he is a God that overflows with grace. Oh, all who come to him with a need, he will never, ever turn you away. Meditate on his word daily. You know the Hebrew word for meditate actually means mumble to yourself. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's good. I can mumble to myself, you know. But I think it's just keep re repeating it to yourself, reminding yourself, repeating it to yourself. You can only delight in something when it's your focus. Put time and energy into it. I've heard this meditating compared to like how a cow chews its cud. You know, the cow eats, it's kind of a gross comparison, but just go with me, okay? So the cow chews its food, swallows it, has a nap, wanders around, whatever cows do, and then brings it back up again, chews, gets more nutrients, swallows again, brings it back up again, chews, gets more nutrients, continues doing this until it's like saturated, all, gotten all the nutrients that it can out of that, then it continues its path down. So this is what I picture this whole mumbling, meditating to myself is like, just keep bringing it back up. Whatever you're reading, bring it back. Oh, there's more I got from that today. There's more I got from that. God's teaching me this again. Oh, I've read that a million times, but today it just like, oh, like, because I mumbled on it, I meditate on it, I regurgitated it. Whenever you see cows, you can now think, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to mumble, <laughs> mumble about this, right? I'm supposed to meditate on this word. Let it come back up, okay? Yeah, amen. That's right. You can only delight in God's word when you let it come alive to you by spending time, lots of time with it. Read your Bible like a cow. That's, that's what you can take home today. And the second thing we have to get serious about is actually church, us, each other. You can't do this by yourself. So you can't. So find your community. Find your group. Find your person. If it needs to start with just one person, find one person. Find someone who can walk through this with you. You can't do it by yourself. Because the world will try to take it away from you. But drive those roots deeper. So your Bible, God's word, and the church. Your community. Your friends matter. Your kids' friends matter. You need to surround yourself with people who are going to push you to delight in the law of the Lord. So do you want to be blessed? You know, sometimes we think about blessed being blessed in a different way. You know, I'm blessed if I get to jump on an airplane and go to South Africa, which I very am eternally blessed and grateful to God for that. But blessed and happy goes beyond circumstances, remember? It goes beyond anything else. So we want to, we want to, I would challenge you this morning to make the changes you need to in your life to drive your roots deep into the soil that's right next to that river.
As we close today, I haven't put these texts on, um, on the screen, but I, just, I actually want you to close your eyes and just listen to me. These are all straight from God, straight from the word, okay? Texts that God talks about joy, happiness, the things that he wants for his people. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have joy. Um, so I just want you to hear these, hear these words from the Bible, and then we're going to wrap up. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Psalm 144, 15 says, Happy, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 16, 8 and 9 says, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken Therefore, my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Psalm 19, 8 says, The laws of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Psalm 16.11 You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. The two first things that are the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. We're meant to have joy. We are meant to have happiness. St. Augustine said, you can open your eyes. St. Augustine says, we come from you, speaking to God, we come from you, and our hearts are restless until we return to you. It's futile. We don't want a restless heart. It's not nice. We want a deep, roots deep heart. I just pray that each one of you today, I know we're on, all on different journeys, different walks, but it feels like today God wants, he wants you to embrace this life of joy, of rejoicing. He wants your roots to go deeper. I was touched by one of the lines in the worship this morning that our team was leading us in. Um, 
talked about bringing our ashes and letting God turn them into joy. We all have different ashes. We all do. If you've lived long enough, you've got some ash somewhere in there. God wants to turn that into joy. And I just felt this morning that even as our sister brought her word about, you know, someone feeling that the, the stone, you know, that, or that God is, is rolling away from them, that this is out of my grasp. It's like, that's, that is, there can't be anything further from the truth. That because that stone rolled away, everything is within our reach. All we have to do is reach out. And I, and I do feel like there's someone here today that does want their ash to be turned to joy. It's, and it's okay. It's okay to not be sure. But if you want, and I didn't kind of tell Gareth that I was going to do this, but I know he'll say it's okay. Just in closing, I just want to ask if there's anyone who feels this morning that they need joy. They need their roots to go deeper. They need to have, in whatever season of drought they're in, they need to have their ashes turned to joy. I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. And I do feel like part of that journey is coming to the front right now and saying, like, I want, I want this. I want the joy that comes from my roots being deep. So we'll just give a minute. And if anybody feels really brave, they can come right on up. And let's pray for that joy. Gareth will join me here. Your church will be behind you. Your church will be with you, praying for you, loving you, wanting only the best for you. If you want that joy, please come forward. And let's respond to this invitation. If you know that you would value prayer, uh, we've had two, two alternatives placed before us today. You either choose to look for happiness in the wrong places, or you find your happiness in God. And uh, there's no more of God in the front than, than where you're standing, that's right. But sometimes just the action of uh, saying, that's me, is really important.